0: My name is Ryan Brubaker. I'm the co-founder and CEO of the Movement International. I had the honor of being here a few years ago. Does anybody remember me by any chance? Uh, So I'm highly forgettable. It's totally all right. Don't worry about it. Uh, So anyway, um, we started in 2015 with the idea that every person deserves to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? Because today in our world, two billion people are still waiting to hear the gospel, now, my, Is anybody here born in 1923? Do we have any, like, super old people? Yeah, there we go. The young girl right there. Yeah, roughly 100. You, you look it. Yeah, I'm just gonna. My grandpa was born 1923. That was the same year the earth crossed to 1 billion people on the planet. Today, there are 2 billion people who have not heard the gospel. So the Great Commission is actually growing. And so unless the global church does something to fix the problem we will never see Christ come back, right? That's the one stipulation he gave. Right? And I know this is Texas. We want Jesus to come back. Like, this is where he's coming first, right? The, the Lord's land here in Texas, right, in cowboy boots. He's coming back for you guys first, amen? So in 2015, we started. What's happened has kind of been absolutely miraculous and has almost nothing to do with myself. But it has spread now across 11 countries. We've planted over 5,000 churches. And every week we have over 100,000 new believers that attend our churches that are growing in their faith every single week. And so um, that is completely the Lord and the indigenous church working in places that we could never even step foot. And I'm excited to share some of those stories. But first, I want to share about what Grace Place is doing because I love this church. This is a good church. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Now, Pastor Sean said the early service is a little quiet, right? Is, is he correct or no? You guys... They don't know. Sometimes I, you guys are loud. I like this. That's that Texas loud. You can go to the next slide here. This church is making an absolute global impact. Now I do this for a living. I get to travel. I get to speak at churches. I get to see, uh, the finances of what they do. Pastors like give me the the spreadsheet and they're like, look at what we're doing. And I'm like, but look what grace place is doing. You guys, (laughs) this is where it's happening. What is happening at grace place is not normal. Amen. I want to share what you guys are doing. Uh, as, as Pastor Sean shared, over two hundred and fifty thousand dollars directly invested into one hundred and thirty-six different ministries. Now, I'm quite confident that you guys are impacting every continent. Right? Is that is that except Antarctica? No, no penguins are coming to Christ. <laughs> all the continents that matter, <laughs> you guys, the Grace Place fingerprint is all up all over them. And the amount of lives, you guys are impacting thousands of lives, if not hundreds of thousands of lives, personally. Now, I have not talked to Pastor Sean or Pastor Krista about this, but I'm going to make a bold statement that 250,000 last year, you're just a very small step. And I believe, I believe that this year you can cross 300,000. Amen? Is that an okay goal? Did Did I put too much pressure on you? If 50 people... Gave $100 a month. You guys could be up almost to that number right there, just from that sacrifice alone. 300000 to impact thousands of lives. Now, now here's the thing is your impact is not just global, but it's also local. Pastor Sean, the staff, they were telling me about what you guys do locally. And I want to highlight, Dallas is incredibly uh, diverse. Now, when, when everybody else pictures Texas, I'm not going to lie, we picture a white guy with a cowboy hat. Like, that's just the fair stereotype of Texas, right? And so you can go to the next slide. And so I did some research on your city. Now, this is this is quite shocking because typically when, when we in America, we think of reaching our city. We think inner city. We think white. We think Mexican. We think black. We think the main three. Dallas is incredibly diverse. And so actually when I actually went out. I tried to map it out, but I'm not very good with technology. And so you're just going to have to go with the numbers if that's all right. There are 45 mosques in your city, 45 mosques. Now, some of them, I mean, it straight up looks like you're in the Middle East. You, I mean, it looks, I mean, they are designed with Middle Eastern architecture. There are over 150,000, oh, sorry, put the wrong number there. There's over 150,000 Arab Muslims in your city alone, right? Have any, has anybody been in a mosque before? A few, a handful, yeah. There, that's the front lines of the gospel. You, you keep going, there's 18 Hindu temples. They go every single day. They go and they pray. They leave their offerings. They go and they learn the Vedas. And they pray in your city. There's 18 temples, 75,000 Hindus across your city. Now, Gurdwara's, does anybody know what a Gurdwara is? Do you know the Sikh religion Guru Nanak, is this ringing a bell? He's not famous in Texas. No. It's the fourth biggest religion in the world. And most of us have never even heard of it. My wife and I, we used to live in a section in India. It's the headquarters. It's where all that started. We're all the sick. It's the turbaned Indians. That's a separate religion than Hinduism. And so we lived in this city uh, Ludhiana, Punjab. Punjab is where all of the Sikhs. That's where Sikhism started, and so it's crazy. We were walking around a little little store area called Kipps Market, right down the street from our house. And this this young Punjabi, this young Sikh man, he he shouts across. He's in an L.A. Lakers jacket. He's kind of he's kind of like like gangster Indian man. He's like yo 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 yo, like hey hey, what's up, man? And so I'm like, we're the only white people. And so we're, like, clearly he's talking to me. So we walk over, we start talking to this guy. And he's like, hey, man, where are you from? I'm like, well, I'm from America. He's like, no way, uh, that's awesome. What part of America? And I was like, well, I'm from Chicago. I'm really from Michigan. Because like, you tell people you're from Michigan, they're like, oh, is that near Texas? You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> nope, <laughs> nowhere near it. <laughs> and so I him, I'm, I'm from Chicago. And he's like, no, man, like, where are you like? really from? And I'm like, all right, man, let's go with this. I'm from Benton Harbor, Michigan. And he's like, no way. I'm like, yeah, yeah. He's like, I lived there for four years. And I'm like, no, you didn't, man. Like, you're just trying to be nice. You know, like, I, I don't believe you right now, man. He's like, no, no, no. I worked at Car Tars across the street, man, like from the gas station. I'm like, you lived in Benton Harbor, Michigan. <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> and it was so shocking. And and this is the, the actual conversation that happened. He said, hey, listen, man, will you teach me about the Bible? And I'm like, w- that's like the fish jumping in the boat. Like, like a, what? This is like a made up story. And he's like, yeah, 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 man. I- I've wanted to learn about the Bible for years. And he's like, but when I, li- I- I- when I lived there, I never knew who to ask. And I'm like, my church was down the street, bro. Like, like you could have just walked in and anybody would have helped you. And the reason I say that is because you look at these, they're not gonna step foot where we are, right? They're not going to come to us. Like that was a crazy testimony. The fish is jumping in the boat, but that, that, that doesn't, is is anybody fisherman here? That doesn't happen, right? Unless they're flying fish. And so that doesn't happen. And so uh, what I want to talk about today is whose job is it? But there's also 14 Buddhist temples. Overall, you have, you have like 200,000 people practicing other religions from all over the world coming into the Metroplex, right? That is the mission field. That is the nation's coming to Texas of all places. Like if you could immigrate anywhere, this would typically be like one of the last places that you'd presume to come as Texas. But, but God is bringing the nations to this place and, and grace places at the center of it in a place that they can actually infiltrate the Gurdwaras and the temples and the mosques. Because Christ would walk in those places, Amen. Well, like, oh, he wouldn't. He wouldn't. He would never touch. No, Christ walked into those places. The Romans, the Greek gods. He was going in, and so we can actually go in and build relationships in mosques and gurdwaras and temples. Who's who's willing to do that? Someone would fly across the world, but how about we go into Dallas? Amen. Amen. All right. Sorry, Pastor Sean, if, I, if I've caused any problems here. Uh, I'm not saying convert. That was. Uh, <laughs> not to learn, please. I will never be invited back. Um, all right, you can go to the next slide there. And so what I want to talk about today is, is whose job is it, right? Cause it's easy to pass the buck. It's easy to say, well, it's their job. It's, it's pastor Sean and pastor Krista. Uh, we pay them to do it, right? <laughs> We're at church service. So serve me. All right? And so whose job is the great commission? And so I want to go to the next slide. I, do I have any, like, early church nerds in here? Is anybody else really obsessed with the, the original Christians, or is that just me? Am I, like, super nerdy? Uh, it's just me. Oh, man. All right, well, I'm going to pass on my nerdiness to you. All right, so I, if you look at the very beginning of our faith, the very beginning of Christianity, so Christ dies, and the disciples, they're, like, looking at each other, and they're, like, Now what? (laughs) Shoot, our leader is gone. I have no clue what to do. Like he taught us a lot of stuff, but he didn't teach us. What do we do with this? And so Peter gets up, he preaches, and all of a sudden they go from the 120 in the upper room and they have a massive problem because they have now thousands of followers in one city from one sermon. It was like a really good sermon. It was like a Pastor Sean, oh, probably Pastor Krista sermon, Pastor Sean, yeah. (laughs) 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 I just <laughs> 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 Like a really, really good sermon, and you have thousands of people. Now, if you look culturally, though, they have another problem, is that they all are speaking different languages, different cultures. And so you picture the disciples, they're like, that was an awesome altar call. Like, what do we do? And they're like, I don't know, let's just make it up as we go. And so they start living together. They're like, okay, you follow Christ, let's just like sell everything and we're just going to figure this out as we go. And so they begin to live together and and, and you see all of the crazy situations that come up and, and all these different cultures are, are trying to make Christianity happen, right? And so you look historically, this almost experiment lasts six months, all right? So they didn't have the Bible. This is not even like proper Bible school training. This is like hey, we have to figure out who's serving lunch to the old ladies. Like, that's literally written down in the book of Acts. Like, how do we feed the old ladies? Like, this is the stuff that's taking place. while well, God is raising up his church for the first six months of Christian history. So then what happens? Do you guys know what happens next? Right, so one of those lunch ladies, the guy who's like serving lunches, right, his name is Stephen, and he goes out and he's he's a little naughty. He goes out and he starts preaching where he shouldn't preach, Right. And so what happens is the Romans, the Jews, they all get incredibly furious. And what you see is this persecution, bam. And it just smashes. This six month experiment, trying to figure out how to start a new religion, basically. Like we look at it, and we're like, well, of course, Jesus was with them. But can you imagine the chaos if Pastor Sean dies? And he's like, hey guys, by the way, <laughs> you gotta figure out how to make this all work. And so there, there, it's this chaos is taking place. And in the middle of it, and what happens? They all flee, right? They all flee around the world. They have to go back. The six-month experiment to start a new religion. It looks like on paper that it has absolutely failed, right? The, the, the brokenheartedness you would have as you see this whole message, the whole movement you started, you're like, it's done. And so here's my question I always I love to ask. Who is responsible. Who was the person that spread the gospel around the world back in the Bible? Who, who do you guys think it was? Who do you say it was? Who spread the gospel to the ends of the earth? Who is it? Apostle Paul? Who says Apostle Paul? We've heard that one a few. Apostle Paul, right? Apostle Paul, right? How about the disciples? They were some? All right, now here's what I find. I love this. Because we in America... We love a superhero, right? We love like one guy, like Braveheart, like just like carrying the flag and, and he's leading. We look at Facebook and we're like Mark Zuckerberg. Forget the thousands of people that work to make Facebook. We look at it and we're like, it is all about Mark, right? Or it's all about Thor. I don't know. Who's Texas' favorite superhero? Captain America. Oh, come on. In Texas, it's got to be Captain America, right? Captain Texas. He's even more powerful. Uh, <laughs> So you got, you got the Captain Americas, you got the Mark Zuckerberg. So we look and we look at, at, this, at the New Testament. We say, Paul, man, he did it all himself. But it's crazy because if you actually read and you read the story, you look historically and you read through the Bible, what you actually realize is Paul piggybacked and the disciples kind of piggybacked off of one group of people. Do you know who that people was? We don't even know their names. Bunch of no name, everyday believers. When the gospel was centered in Jerusalem and that persecution came, they all went home. And what did they take with them? They took six months of theological training, right, from the disciples, and they went back and what did they do? They started preaching. They started sharing the gospel. They went into their hometown and said, guess what I found in Jerusalem? I'm not a Jew anymore. I'm I'm a full believer in Jesus Christ. And they go back to their synagogues. They go back to their temples. They go back to all these different places. And they began planting the church. It would have taken Paul hundreds of years. He'd still be working today to plant all those churches. But guess who planted the churches that saw the greatest transformation across the Roman Empire? People like us no-name, everyday believers with very minimal training, uh, they went and they flipped the entire known world upside down to the point where they upset the Roman emperor because they led the Roman empire to Christ so quickly because it was every person had a responsibility. So you look, at, you look at this picture. This picture is incredible. Now, I've heard this is being uh, telecast, so I cannot say the location name, unfortunately. I can't mention the terrorist organizations, but I promise you, you definitely know the groups that we're working amongst here. So this is in the, most fi- the fifth most dangerous city on the entire planet. If we wanted to go into this city as foreigners, start about 10 miles outside of the city, and they put you in a cop car. They put you in a bulletproof vest, and they drive you into the edge of the city. When you get to the edge of the city as a foreigner, you go in, and they put you in armored vehicles. And the guys have machine guns, they have tanks, they have um, uh, mortar-proof vehicles that they would drive you around. The reason is, is because in this city, all the main terrorist organizations are fighting for control. And so literally, all day, it's in a valley, all day, rockets are being fired, from every direction, just trying to take control of it because this group wants the power, this group. So if you actually look, all of the heads of all the most famous terrorist organizations have winter homes here. That sounds like a great travel brochure, right? Like, (laughs) come hang out with us. It's a beautiful location, Rocket City, right? And so this is one of the most volatile and dangerous places on the planet, okay? And so, if you look, this is Christmas morning. One of our churches, and I never would ask him to do this, one of our churches that we planted in, this, in the fifth most dangerous city in the world decided it's not enough to just kind of secretly worship here. So they go out on Christmas morning armed with a Bible, only a Bible, and they begin sharing the story of Jesus all over, just sharing the story of Christmas, and so if you look in the background, someone snapped this picture of you. This is in the market of the fifth most dangerous city on the planet. You can actually see the tribal dress of three of the, the most uh, fearsome, destructive terrorist organizations in the world. The, like the big three. We all know them. And they're listening. You can see the very confused look on their faces as they listen to the gospel of Jesus Christ for the very first time, they're hearing the story and the message of Jesus open air preached in this market. Now, that is the kind of expansion the early church saw, right? These are not big name pastors. This is not Billy Graham's or any famous mega church pastors. This is everyday believers who caught a vision. For their area. And now their area happens to be a little more dangerous than maybe the Dallas Metroplex, right? It's it's slightly different. If you're looking to plant a church, Pastor Chamel picked the HBE, it's either that or Rocket City. I'm going with Dallas every time, right? And so, but but this is not where the story ends. This is this is the same growth that happened in the early church, it's still happening through the church today. You can go to the next slide. So what happened is the church began to grow and begin to expand. What ha- what started as just a handful of believers, people started coming. They started coming and started believing. This. this took place less than a mile from the headquarters of the most vicious terrorist organization on the planet. If they would have been found, instant beheading, no questions asked. That That is the persistence of reaching these areas. So much so, actually, that, that one of the terrorist organizations planted a fake taxi because they knew our coordinator got off and would visit all of our churches. He gets off the bus. And he goes church to church to church to church. And then he, he drops them off. He says, guess, guess what? We now know where all of your churches are. We're going to kill them all. And so six months, they went underground. They hid. They, they dispersed. Luckily, no one was martyred. So the gospel in the early church was upsetting the Roman Empire, Right. Today, the gospel is upsetting the most vicious terrorist organizations in history. Amen? So that's when you know Christ applied is working, right? If that wound is is hurting, the ointment is working. And so if you're upsetting the people who are trying to kill Christians, then the gospel is moving forward. But this is still not where the story ends. Amen? You can go to the next slide. We also operate a church-based Bible college. So we have about 4,000 students globally, and before you can graduate, you have to plant and pastor three churches before you get your degree. So we're looking about 12,000 churches, just as graduation projects alone across six nations right now. And so what happened is the initial pastors went and they started the churches, more churches started, people started coming to Christ, rooms were being full. And then here's the question that was asked. How are we gonna raise up leaders in this area? Who who is in their right mind going to take up the mantle to plant a church? And all of a sudden we have former terrorists who say, I'll go, I know how it works. I can stay safe, I can can hide, I know how to do this. I wanna enroll. And so you have former terrorists who say, I wanna learn how to plant a church. Now they know, can you imagine looking at your pastor knowing very well That they risked their head, not just their life, they risked their head, literally, to come and preach the gospel. And you raise your hand and you say, hey, I'm willing to do the exact same thing he did. Now, I know kids' church needs ministers, and and I'm not going to lie. If I had to choose between planning a church here or working in kids' ministry, it's pretty close. (laughs) It's not easy, right? But there is no risk of death. The kids might talk your ear off. They might talk you to death, but there's no risk of actual death. These people were saying, I will go to Bible college. I want to learn how to potentially march to my death. Amen. Amen. That's, that's the power of the gospel. So, so when I ask again, who's, whose job is it? Right? It's not the Apostle Paul's. It's not even Pastor Sean and Pastor Christa's. It's our job. It's your job. It's your responsibility. That's the power of the gospel to see. Because who wants to see Dallas changed? Yeah. Amen? Who wants to see it changed? But it can't be Pastor Sean and Pastor Christa. You can't tithe your way to a changed city. We have to be the feet. We have to go into the markets. We have to be the ones who go out and actually preach. You've got to build relationships every single place that we go. Amen? You can go to the next slide. <clears throat> Everyone's job... Everyone's responsibility. This is this is an amazing story. This is the body tribe, B-A-D-I. Now, since the 1700s, they migrated up from India up into the mountains of Nepal and something tragic happened. They are what you call in the Hindu caste system. You have the, the Brahmin, the top, and then you have the Dalits. Mother Teresa worked with the Dalits, right? Then you have subcategories of the Dalits. So the Dalits are untouchable. Then you have Within that, you have rankings. You go all the way to the very bottom, the untouchables of untouchables. Other untouchables will not even touch them to the point where if you were choking and you wanted a cup of water and one of them handed you a cup of water, you would die before you touched the cup that they handed you. That is how untouchable... This group is. There's only one way that you are allowed to touch them. Absolutely disgusting. Since the 1700s, this entire caste, every single female has been a prostitute. The only way you can touch a body person is through the act of prostitution. And so every single girl that has been born for the past 300 years knew from the time she could speak, what she was going to grow up to be, starting about the age of eight. And so, you, the average woman makes $7 a month, about a quarter a day, for giving her life to prostitution. So this group, no one will even go in them. If you were a Hindu and you walk into their village, you've cursed yourself. So... What does the church do? We walk into the places that no one else walks. Amen. So one of our pastors, one of our churches, they said, this has got to end. So they walk in and they did the unthinkable. They began to minister to the untouchables of untouchables. And they began to look them in the eyes. They began to recognize them as humans. It was the first time they had ever had anyone talk to them while looking them in the eyes and not using them for sexual pleasure. And so what happens is you go, uh, this slide here is perfect. Uh, During COVID, we began to do relief efforts because they were one of the worst affected in the world. Um, With the regulations, there's absolutely no more finances within their whole community. So many were even starving to death. It was terrible. So the church comes in, they began feeding them, they began taking care of them. And now what you see is we actually have about five or six churches made up of former prostitutes of the Body Tribe. Then here's what's amazing. We also, although they're completely illiterate, we are actually offering an oral Bible college. So we are going to have a bunch of former untouchable prostitutes who will be walking around planting churches with Bible college degrees. Amen. And so what we've already seen is even before they've gotten their degree, you see these people who are not supposed to be touching anybody else, right? Walking around village to village, tribe to tribe, and they are planting churches among the people that they are not even supposed to talk to. And they've began planting churches, preaching the gospel. We've seen a move across all the untouchable castes because someone took the responsibility to go into a place that they had no business being, amen? They went into the place that they weren't supposed to walk. They went into the place that Christ would have walked. Because it's not, once again, it's not a big name pastor. It's not even a missionary. It's not a white person. It's not a black person. It's not an American, not a European. It was a local yeah. pastor with local believers who we will never know their names. But look at the transformation they have across an entire section of an unreached country. Amen? Amen. You can go to the last slide here. Everyone has a role. It's not just enough to have a job, but everybody's going to play a different role. All right, this, this, this last story is incredible. Uh, this is a church that believes in miracles, amen? Uh, man, this is the early church. This is the early service. Let's, you guys are way more dedicated than the next service. So let me ask you one more time. This is a church that believes in miracles, right? If God's going to move, it's among the early risers, amen? So it's the second service. They're sleeping right now. They don't get the miracle. You guys get the miracle. So this, this story is incredible. All right, this is a young man, 23 years old, the son of one of our pastors. Uh, can't mention the name. Once again, working up in a completely unevangelized area, uh, operated fully by terrorist organization. So this young man and his friends are driving. They get into a horrible car accident. <clears throat> and so a piece of the, uh, uh, the highway divider thing, whatever, it went into his liver. You can see the wound. Right there, uh, this is taken from the hospital. It just went into the liver. So they get him out in this area. There's no ambulance. You get him out, you throw him in another car, and you drive him to the hospital. And so he gets to the hospital, and he's just, he's just pouring blood. Just absolutely, he's just pouring out. And so the doctor comes, the father comes in, the doctor talks to him, and he says, listen, listen, your son's liver is completely punctured. Uh, his hemoglobin level is two. All right, you need to be a 13. Like, that's like where you want to be. So he has no blood left in his body. And so they said, he needs that hole in his liver patched up. But if we do surgery, he will die. So there's absolutely nothing we can do to help your son. I'm so sorry he's going to die. And so the pastor, he goes home. And he starts praying. They, they leave him at the hospital. He goes home and he calls his church. Now, these are all brand new believers, just brand new, recent, they were former Muslims, recent Christians. So he gathers them and all night they begin praying. All night they, they, they just, Lord, Lord, heal him, Lord, heal him. And so one lady, brand new believer, comes up to the pastor. She says, Pastor, I had a vision. And so as Pastor Sean can tell you, anytime a new believer gives you a vision, you're like, hey, let's hear it. This is gonna be fun, you know? What is gonna come out of their mouths, Right? And so she says, I had a vision that God was pouring blood back into your son. Amen. All right, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. All right. So the next morning, the pastor, he goes to the hospital and he goes there and his son is still alive. And so the doctors, they say, all right, let's scan again. Let's see, maybe we missed something. So they pull him in the scan, they do the tests and the doctor runs out and he talks to the father. He says, sir, sir, the whole In your son's liver, it's sealed shut. I don't know how it happened. And he said, and they said, and listen, his hemoglobin level overnight went from two to 10. And he said, Amen, amen. And so he says, We don't have to do surgery anymore. But even if we did, he has enough blood in his body that he would live. He said, I don't know what happened. (laughs) I don't know what happened to the pastor. Let me tell you, amen. (laughs) Let me tell you what happened. And so in a Muslim area, terrorist operated, a doctor gets to hear the gospel of Christ. Now listen, everybody has a role. This church was funded by churches in America. People, hard-earned money, go to work, they support churches like Grace Place. They invest in the church, right? But that's not the only job because then the pastor planted the church, right? This young man was living a life of faithfulness where God saw and heard his prayers and deemed him worthy for a miracle. That was his role. All of it, every person, including most importantly, the Holy Spirit, Right? Because we can go out, we could walk into a mosque, we could walk into a temple, be like, hey guys, what's up? I'm from Texas. We could have our Texas hat on. We could say, I'm a Christian, right? But if the Holy Spirit is not going before us, not inside of us, not with us, then it's all in vain, right? And so, listen, this is the, the job. If we can move and we can pray with the Holy Spirit to see lives transformed, and if we can walk with our own feet into places that maybe the gospel has never been in this area, we can walk into that house, we can walk into that, that neighborhood, we can walk into that mosque, and we bring the gospel of Christ. This has not happened because it's over in Asia. This does not happen because they're hungrier than we are right? It happened because someone took steps to make it happen. Amen. And so that's my challenge to you is, um, pastor Sean's going to come up in a minute and he's going to highlight what your church is doing globally. But, but here's the thing is that it's not just missionaries. It's not just the people over there. It's easy to say, Oh, that happened over there. Who wants to see this in Dallas? Amen. I don't want it to be just for them. I want it to be here. I want it to be in Dallas. I want it to be in America. I want the the church over there to go, hey, did you hear about what happened in Dallas? Right? That's the kind of move, but it's not gonna happen through a program. It's not gonna happen through just giving money. It's gonna happen when we partner with the Holy Spirit and we say, God, Dallas is yours. Amen? Dallas is yours. So Pastor Sean, he's gonna highlight, he's gonna challenge you today. Every person, has a role in the Great Commission. And it is our job to just say yes. Amen.